I often hear coworkers or past peers say things like, careful not to bump up to the next tax bracket or you'll actually get less money than you currently make. Or another one that I've heard before is, why should I work overtime if a third of it is just going to go to Uncle Sam? Well, today we're going to discuss why these types of sentiments are misguided. Welcome back to Achieving Minerva. I'm Sal, your host, and today we're going to use a little bit of education to help us achieve our freedom. Let me start off by saying that I am not a CPA or a tax lawyer, so don't consider this advice for any of your decisions. I am just someone who reads IRS.gov in my free time because I'm a kind of a nerd about this stuff, and I also know how to do basic arithmetic based on the things that I read on that website. So if you take nothing else from this episode, hear this and write this down. More income is always more income, and more income will never significantly affect your tax bill such that it won't be worth it. Now, this is going to be a very number-heavy episode, so you might want to write some of this down and have a pen handy. Now, there are some extreme examples when this may not be the case, and there is more nuance to the tax code than we're really going to go into today, but other factors may affect your taxes more than is favorable, but more income, getting a raise, is still worth it, I would say, 99% of the time. More than likely, that 15% pay raise that takes you into the next tax bracket will not be the thing that fucks you over at tax time. Same with that $1,000 bonus, but we are going to walk through a couple basic tax scenarios and show you how the basic math works. I will not be going into a whole lot of deduction options and credits as much. This will mostly just be based on a vanilla, I have an, a gross income of X sort of thing. If you own a bunch of real estate property or have big loans you pay interest on or you own a business or are selling off investments, then things get a little bit more complicated and not nearly as much nowadays as it did probably in your parents' generation. I'll explain that a little bit later. So to break the first myth about upgrading your tax bracket is making you less money, we will walk through two parts of a scenario. Okay, so we have this hypothetical friend named Sally. She makes a gross income from her job of $80,000. For our purposes, we will assume that all $80,000 is taxable, and I can almost assure you that it is not due to benefits, deductions, and things like that. But let's assume, just for now, that $80,000 is taxable for Sally. The IRS puts $80,000 in the 22% marginal tax bracket. That word marginal is key. The United States operates in what is called a marginal tax system. The IRS has these tax brackets, which can be found in the show notes on irs.gov. The tax bracket tiers are the same percentages, but the income parameters are different depending on if you file by yourself or jointly with a spouse. So Sally is a single person who, throughout 2022, made a taxable income of $80,000, which puts her in the 22% tax bracket. But that does not mean that all $80,000 is taxed at 22%. That would make her tax bill $17,600. 
that's not the case. The marginal tax system means that each dollar is taxed as it is earned. So the first $10,275, according to the source in the show notes, which is irs.com, is taxed at 10%. And the dollar after that, dollar number 10276 is now taxed at 12%, the second tax bracket. And all the money from that point up to dollar number 41775 is also taxed at 12%. After that, it jumps to 22% for the rest of her money, up to $80,000. So if that's not making a whole lot of sense, let's talk about this in terms of time. If we talk about this in terms of time, it may make a little more sense. At $80,000, that means if Sally is paid bi-weekly, each paycheck is about $3,076. So essentially for the first three paychecks of 2022, she's taxed at 10%, and that puts her to about the middle of February. From February to somewhere around July or August, Sally was making roughly $30,000, which is the dollars in between 10275 up to 41775 That's give or take $30,000. So from February to July or August, Sally's making $30,000. That is all taxed at 12%. And from that point to the end of the year, she was taxed at 22%, making the remainder of her $80,000 in total. So that means for the first part of the year, Sally is taxed a total of $1,027. That's $1,027. And that's for the first part of 2022, from the beginning of the year to the middle of February. And for that middle part, from February on to July or August, the total of her tax bill was 3780 So the $1,027 is just 10% of the first $10,275 for the first part of the year. And then 3780 for the middle part is 12% of the difference between 41000 and 10275 And then for that last part, from about August to the end of the year, where she's making the rest of her $80,000, she's taxed a total of eight thousand four hundred nine which is 22% and for that that's the a grand total for the year the tax bill would be thirteen thousand two hundred seventeen so this means that in total Sally actually paid sixteen point five percent of her gross income in taxes this is what's referred to as her effective tax rate see how that's different from the twenty two percent which is what tax bracket Sally is in, this makes the net income or take-home pay for our purposes 66783 Now, if you look at your pay stub, there are other things being taken out. So your take-home pay is probably a little bit less in reality. But some of it you're still keeping because you're, you're hopefully contributing to 401ks. And so that's all still your money and part of your compensation package. So now let's say that for 2023, Sally's employer gave her a 15% raise. Good job, Sally. That makes her new salary $92,000, up from $80,000. So using 2022 tax brackets, this puts her in a new one, the 24% range. 
Now, most people look at this tax bracket jump and think, ugh, now I'm going to be taxed more. And while that is technically true, now that we're going to understand the math better, we'll see that it isn't really that big of a deal. The total tax bill on $92,000, assuming that all of it is taxable, which again, it probably is not in reality, the total tax bill on $92,000 in 2022 would be 15915 which, yes, is more than 13 k but the effective tax rate is only 17.3% not even a full percent more than it was at $80,000. And the net income is now $76,084. And that's still a $10,000 bump. And that isn't nothing. The net increase in the take-home pay in this very watered-down example is still a raise of 13%. And the goal advertised was 15%. So more income is still more income. So that example does ignore quite a bit of reality. There are state taxes and the child credits and whatnot that will affect things a little bit, but it's still, your income will still be greater than it was before with that raise. I said before I wasn't going to go into deductions and credits, but I am going to go a little bit into the standard deduction because it has become so significant and nearly universally used. In 2017, Congress changed the tax code a bit and made the standard deduction huge. All of a sudden, people who had itemized their taxes for decades ended up being much better off with the standard deduction because now it's so high. My own father was one of those. A tax deduction basically changes the amount of your income that can be taxed. And that's different from a tax credit because a tax credit means you still owe what you owe, but you've been credited for having already paid that. Things like re renewing your car registration is more of a tax credit than a tax deduction. So the deduction changes the amount of your income that can be taxed. And in 2022, for a single person, the standard deduction is $12,200. So for Sally, this means that her taxable income, which was $80,000 in the first scenario, minus $12,200 is now, her taxable income is still only $67,800. And with the 15% raise, that means her new taxable salary is the 92,000 minus the standard deduction, which now is $79,800. If we include the standard deduction, she doesn't even have to move into a new bracket after all. And for married couples filing jointly, the brackets are super friendly, and the standard deduction for married people is $26,000. If you're married, you should be filing jointly, and if you're not, you should really consider why that is and investigate if you should change that this year. So the first myth is debunked. More income is more income. A raise is still a raise, and a new tax bracket likely doesn't change matters as much as you think it does. So on to the second myth that I talked about. Overtime changes your taxes. This one is a little bit more nuanced because people who have varied paychecks have varied taxes on the pay stubs. And all of this comes down to tax withholding. When you get your paycheck, and I'm talking about the vast majority of you, which are W-2 employees, where there's an HR person or a department that withholds your taxes on your behalf each paycheck. 
This is a requirement of an employer with direct employees. So if you're a 1099 contractor, this doesn't really apply to you. The employer or the person that uses you as a contractor is not required to withhold taxes on your behalf. So when you started your job, you filled out what's called a W-4 form, which tells your employer how much money to withhold for taxes on your behalf based on the amount you make at that job and how many people depend on the paycheck you're bringing home, your dependents, your spouse, and your kids. And it's up to you to account for any side hustles or other income streams, such as if you are a 1099 contractor somewhere else, you can do that with your W-2 job by asking your employer to withhold an additional amount on the W-4 form. Now, I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty of that form, but just know that this form, the W-4, is where the basis of my next point comes from. There is a link in the show notes to what the W-4 looks like, and if you'd like to review your withholdings for the year 2023, you should be able to ask your HR how to update your W-4 form. So let's assume... You have been working at this place for a while. W-4 is filled out and you get paid every two weeks. You get a total of 26 paychecks in a given calendar year. So HR, human resources, or whatever department takes care of payroll has a formula to abide by to help them calculate your withholdings for a given pay period. This formula comes from a document called Publication 15, which is basically the handbook for paying employees legally according to the federal tax code. Within this document, there is a table that helps HR end with the right amount. Odds are that in reality, your HR department pays for some payroll software that has built-in macros on their spreadsheets, and they just plug in your wages for the pay period, and magically a number is spit out. But this table is where the macros get their data. The table is complicated, and I'm not going to go through all the math with you, but both Publication 15 and the table by itself are found in the link in the show notes from irs.gov. But let's say you're a salaried employee and you make $80,000 like Sally did above. That's a pretty cut and dry. Every paycheck should be about the same. HR puts that into their formula that every two weeks you worked 80 hours That's 40 hours per week for two weeks. You made $80,000 divided by 26, which is a a little more than $3,000. Withholdings are going to be very consistent because the formula works on a paycheck-by-paycheck basis. The formula assumes that because you made $3,000 on this pay period, it can extrapolate using basic arithmetic out to $80,000. So you should owe the feds about $13,000 when it's all said and done for the year. And in this very vanilla case, that's true. But let's say you get a raise in the middle of the year in August. Now on the next paycheck, you all of a sudden make $4,000. The withholdings table and formula doesn't really account for the previous seven months of pay. It now thinks all of a sudden you're going to bring home $4,000 26 times in the year, which equals $104,000 in total. So now all of a sudden you're being you're being withheld on your pay stubs based on that salary of $104,000. So it looks like you're being taxed more and while that's technically true in the short term, you'll make it square when you file your taxes in the next year in March. And the following year, 
if you continue making $4,000 per paychecks, the withholdings will remain consistent and it'll look better. So that's salary. And so now we're going to talk about hourly workers, which gets a little bit more complicated and it makes a little more sense why withholdings are inconsistent with hourly workers. Let's say you work retail and you get a consistent 40 hours at $17 an hour. You'll you also get paid every other week. So your normal paycheck should be withholding based on an annual salary of of $17 per hour for 40 hours for 2 weeks. So the paycheck should be about $1360. And multiply that by 26, your annual salary should be $35,000. That's based on your consistent 40-hour weeks, and that would look a lot like the salary example above. But then one month, you get a bunch of extra shifts for two weeks. You get you worked 50 hours per week. Now you're making time and a half after the 40 hours. So life is looking really great. But now your gross paycheck will be $1,870, which extrapolates out to an annual salary of 48620 which really makes the withholding formula take a bunch from you. But again, while that's unfortunate in the moment, you and Uncle Sam will square it up in March. This same theory rings true for big Christmas bonuses. If you've spent the whole year making $70,000 and then all of a sudden you get a Christmas bonus of $5,000, that is still part of a paycheck or part of the formula. And so HR, that formula still thinks that all of a sudden you're going to make a lot more, even though it was just one check at the very end of the year. The formula thinks that you're going to do that 26 times before the end of the year. So all of a sudden you're taxed a lot. So that was a really quick and dirty way to debunk a couple tax myths. And I know it was kind of a number-heavy episode, but that's why I kept it kind of short. But I hope it helped explain some of the nuance of the tax system. And this is not really a opinion on whether the tax system is good or bad or ugly. I'll let you have those opinions to yourself. But be advised that while these myths are untrue, taxes are still much more complicated than I laid out. These scenarios are watered down, but the basic point is still true. And that is, I hope you wrote this down, more income is still more income. Some specifics I didn't cover uh, are state taxes. If you live in Florida, Tennessee, Texas, Nevada, Alaska, Wyoming, or South Dakota, then congratulations, you don't really have to worry about state taxes. And if you live in New Hampshire, I don't think you have to worry about state income taxes uh, in the same way everybody else does either. So good for you. Everybody else, you have to worry about state taxes, which are typically a little bit more simple than the federal tax code. Until next time, follow us, go to our website for some written content. We are currently working on some YouTube content as some episodes would be better with visuals, such as this one. You can also connect with us on Twitter. I am at Minerva Fire. And most importantly, please share, subscribe, and tell your friends about this podcast so that we can all achieve Minerva together.